This is Three People in Your Head, a podcast about getting the best out of yourself and others. Co-hosted by Matt Taylor and myself, John Fleming. Sponsored by the International Transactional Analysis Association and the European Association for Transactional Analysis. In this episode, we feature a panel discussion that was recorded in Dublin in July at the AARTA and ITAA International Trainers Meeting, where John and I were very fortunate to be able to record this in person. Our guests, all training and supervising transactional analysts, were representing each field of TA, and they are Andy Williams, Psychotherapy, Ava Arch, Counselling, Sylvie Rossi, Organisational, and Rosemary Napper, Educational. And the question we discussed, which was also the theme of the trainers meeting was, what ideas and views do you have about the challenges, changes needed and possible opportunities in TA training during uncertain times? We hope you enjoy this fascinating conversation. So I'd like to start by welcoming you all to this panel discussion. Thank you all for taking place. Matt and I are very excited to have this conversation with you. So I think we'll get started with a round of introductions. So Andy, we might start with you if that's okay. Yeah, that's great. So I'm from the North UK. I'm from the city of Leeds. The wheels of the aeroplanes roll off my practice roof because we're right by Leeds Bradford Airport. And I've got several roles. I run a training organization called the TA Training Org. So we train people in transaction analysis. We do a lot of freestanding courses. And then I've got a very busy private psychotherapy practice, working with lots of clients and lots of supervisees, both indoors and more and more in, in the landscape and working outside as well. Great. Good to have you. So I guess psychotherapy is yes. the field I represent. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Andy. Okay. Eva, would you like to go next? My name is Arch Eva. It is in my native language said, because we say first the family name, and but I am used to say it in English way, like Eva Arch. Mm. I'm from Hungary. I must say it is much more my country than this one. <laughs> I suffer from the cold. <laughs> I took some summer dresses, but I cannot wear them. <laughs> so, okay. I am in counseling field, TSTA. I am working in Budapest, having training groups and clients. I am doing, I'm having a private practice as well. I am working internationally. So I train in Hungary, in uh, Prague, in Czech Republic, mm. sometimes in Russian-speaking world. Sometimes in Oxford, <laughs> but it was a long time ago, yes. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Wonderful you. to have you. Thank you. Sylvie? So I'm Sylvie Rossi. I come from Rome. I'm Italian and I live in Rome. I am a TSTA. I am a teaching member and trainer both in the psychotherapy field and in the field of organizations, which is going to be my main focus today and I am active and doing training in the within organizations in the area of mental health which would be mental health hospitals and institutions mm. and also doing some training in business organization and NGOs okay 
So those are my main uh, areas of uh, interest. Because I think we spend so much time of our life when we are awake, mm. working within organizations, for and within and at organizations. Mm. So I think that focusing on mental health within organizations <laughs> mm. is something important for our society Great. in general. And I like TA because it can have an impact on society mm. in, in these terms. Thanks, Sylvie. Brilliant. Rosemary? I'm Rosemary Napper, and I come from Oxford in England. And I'm qualified in three fields. But today, I'm here representing education. And I have a particular passion about adult learning. Mm. That's my real arena. And I'm also an organizational transaction analyst and a counseling transaction analyst. So I might chip in <laughs> about organizations of counseling training. And I have a real focus in the educational field on adults learning, mm. not people edu doing education at schools. Mm. I think that's really important. And I think, yeah, there's a lot of, lot that we can talk about adult learning because we're all engaged in mm. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely whichever field we're in yeah absolutely mm. okay great right over to you Matt and so the question for the panel discussion today is from your respective fields what ideas and views do you have about the challenges changes needed and possible opportunities in TA training during uncertain times just a short question. For <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot in that. And maybe we could go around again and you could just give your first thoughts, immediate ideas of that. And then from there on, we can begin a conversation and allow it to emerge from there. So, Andy. To you. That sounds great. And uh, thank you for letting me start. <laughs> I'm just looking at the panel, so stop me when you need to. <laughs> I suppose where this starts for me is which level do we come in at in terms of the challenges? To me, I think it's something about coming in at a high level. So the fact that we are in a neo-liberal world, there's something about the loss of the shared nature or something about social political responsibility. Mm. And I see that as the enormous challenge really of our time. So for me, it's about decolonizing what we do, decolonizing the training of mm. transactional analysis. And I feel passionately about that. I was thinking, you know, we're, we're recording this very close to Dublin, aren't we? And, uh, you know, my, my favorite poet, Yeats, and just thinking about, you know, the Easter Rising poem of 1916 and the oppression of the Irish by the British and what is my colonial history as a white male training, uh, in my case, transactional analysis psychotherapy, mm. I think about that role very seriously. In the UK, very recently, the Black and Asian Therapy Network has just published their new book, Therapy in Colour. And there's some wonderful chapters in that book, especially about the decolonization of training and thinking about really how the normative edit out the minority. Mm. I think that for me is the challenge at the moment, thinking about power, difference, diversity, intersectionality, 
privilege, oppression, those kind of areas, I think that's where I get engaged in what the challenge is. Mm. But that's probably enough to start, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we've jumped that's in great. at the deep end. Thank yeah. You. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And in those terms of layers. Mm. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Andy, th uh, for starting with that, because when I read this question, my first reaction was whether I had a certain time in my life, and I couldn't remember. And really, if we are talking about uncertain time, it was always uncertain. Wow. So if you uh, recall the relationship between English and Irish, it, is, it has a huge history. Mm -hmm. I can also recall a revolution from 56 in Hungary or in Prague in 68. But let's focus what happened since COVID, because maybe that is underlying this question. Mm -hmm. uh, it triggered very much my field, because all question what was rising from that uh, is a uh, issue which uh, is that in uh, counseling in my country, like quick and uh, sudden changes which uh, provoke higher stress, life-threatening things, crisis, traumas, and we have also a war. So I think that that increased the demands on my field, on counseling field from the client's perspective of you and from the training point. Mm. Mm. Great. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Mm. In, in thinking about this question and thinking about training and, and clients, patients, we call them in my country, I think that one of the main issues is a focus on fear. Uncertainty generates so much fear. Mm. And I think that uncovering the fear which often takes different, uh, is disguised in different ways, you know, through aggressiveness or passivity or withdrawing, yeah. has been and is one of the greatest uh, challenges at the moment. And I think that one of the, uh, one of our responsibilities as trainers is really to focus on how to uncover some, something which is hidden but affects so much of the training and affects so much of the development, both of organizations in organizational life and also in the individual's ability to think. One of the things that I found striking for me is how much our ability to think is getting lost with all the fear mm. and with so much changes that we need to deal with. Mm. And in losing our capacity to think, it becomes much more difficult to decide about priorities, basically, and also to be able to, to take responsibility. Because if we don't think, we are unable to take responsibility totally. Mm. So this leaves us in a sort of, <laughs> this brings us to a lack of freedom. Yeah. And this is one of the things that is occupying my mind a great uh, deal at the moment as a trainer. You know, how to restore this feeling of freedom in uncertainties and in uncertain time where there is such an overload of information, yeah. mm. which makes it hard to select which is the important information yeah. in order to do our work. 
as trainers, as practitioners, intervening wherever we need to intervene. Mm-hmm. Or we are called upon interventions. So this is where my thinking is at the moment. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I see education as about provoking the frame of reference. And one of the challenges that's around is how unwilling people are to have their frame of reference provoked at these times. Partly the socio-political reasons that you talk to, partly the idea actually there is uncertainty and that creates fear, uncertainty in every dimension of living. And partly that overload of information that you talked about. And what I'm finding is the greatest challenge I think we've got is the commodification people are doing to themselves. They're turning everything into a commodity. Commodity is production line, ready-made. So learning is a commodity. I pay you, you give it to me. There's a passivity in a commodity. There's a replication, a familiarity, all those things that help people think they feel safe. And I say think they feel safe because it's not real thinking. Totally agree there's an absence of thinking increasingly. But it's not actually safe. It's just familiarity. Mm. And as we know, as the underlying tenet of TA's script is familiar Mm. and repetitive and comfortable and has a pseudo-safety bit. So I think we've got a huge challenge in these times, in the 2020s, as the world seems to move more and more to the right politically. We've got the historic bit. We are global and people want to be local and tribal of how to provoke the frame of reference, how to invite people to expand their minds. Mm. I love what you are saying there, Rosemary, and also Sylvie, because I was thinking there's something about being able to emotionally regulate and tolerate distress, Mm. you know, this idea about mentalization. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing is Rosemary building on that and saying, people find it very difficult to tolerate dystonic states, to be disturbed. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if that's because there's an absence of mentalization, an absence of being able to regulate emotion and tolerate distress. The two ideas you're bringing seem to be close to each other. I would almost say it's more than that, Andy. Mm -hmm. It's as if there is a benefit in distress. We seem to have a culture across Europe, maybe, at the moment, where to say, I'm in distress, I'm a victim of, I'm a blah, 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 is what people do, is what social media feeds into and stimulates and recognizes a lot of, ooh. So I would make a difference between this blah, blah, I am under the stress, what we were heard for the case. Yes, everybody was stressed because... There was a queue in the post office or something like that. 
and the, the situation for me, what I am thinking now is the period of COVID, the Ukrainian war, and so on, which is really critical, which, is, which brings crisis or trauma to every person in a different way. Mm. Of course, in Ukraine, or to our Ukraine colleagues, it brings much more closer. It is much more traumatic, but it is not easy to be free at any other time of any other place in Europe. And crisis goes with limited adult ego states. So maybe this is not the time when we can expect thinking, because it is survival issue, it is existential issue. And we see the, all the result of this limited capacity of this, uh, as you said, in organization and what Rosemary said, that everyone see a necessity to change the frame of reference, but in crisis, you cannot change the frame of reference. Mm. It is like a, a new stage. Uh, I think that we have some, something new, what is, has been started in Europe, and if we take the stages of development, we can say maybe in, we are in the stage of being or doing. It is all very dangerous and stages and full of fear. But the thinking stage would come fully a little bit later. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yes, I know that uh, Rosemary is having a very good structure but how to change meaning in TA. And I think that maybe to, to give a structure would help us in this period. Mm -hmm. Not to give some actions or some solutions, but structure for thinking. I think that's an interesting idea. I also think that we are pushed, Andy, we are pushed between a kind of societal drive to desensitization. Mm. You know, like at the beginning of psychology, there was this art of desensitizing. Mm. And it was begun in Russia, basically, how to condition and how to decondition. Mm. And I think that there is a societal drive to uh, desensitize us to feelings and uh, this uh, um, makes us look for a refuge or a shelter where we can think in terms of oversimplification. Mm -hmm. This is good, this is bad, this is black, this is white. And in cocooning, I don't know if this term is, is yeah. correct, yeah. but you know, just to find a shelter where not to think, not to feel, just the basic for survival. Mm. So I, I think we may need uh, to decide to go out and search for contexts in different contexts. Mm. And yeah. I, I guess what comes to mind for me when a, a number of you have been sharing is the model of the, the one ego state model of health. Is it? Is that what it's called? Tudor's model? Yeah. And Summers and Tudor. Summers and Tudor, yeah, where yeah. under stress we go into our, the, I guess, the pathological or the parent and child that are not healthy and rather than in our integrating adult. Mm. I, I guess, I, and I'm hearing a number of different things that, that it is to be expected 
and maybe there's a timing that you were saying Eva, about when to bring a confrontation or to encourage a change of reference and rosemary you were saying that part of what's needed in the training because this is about training isn't it part of what's needed is that the encouragement or a way of shifting people's frame of reference in uncertain times yeah i think i mean it's some really interesting work being done about intercultural work and challenge yeah which affects both majorities and minorities yeah so there's denial yes. which we know is discounting yeah as the whole situation existence there is defense Again, we know about all the different ways we have to defend psychologically. There is minimization. Again, we know about this from discounting theory. And its cousin, its flip side, which is reversal. So, oh God, it's me. As opposed to, I am more okay than you are. Right, oh, I'm not okay. Okay. You're more okay than me. That's reversal. And all these values... You can't attack directly because you will get an absolute, I'm not going to listen. I mean, you get the equivalent of the Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not Fake hearing. News. Yeah. So this is where, as transactional analysts, we can be really thoughtful about how do you respond to somebody who's in denial as opposed to somebody who's defending a position as opposed to somebody who's minimizing. There's very different responses to begin to get relationship. So they will then be prepared to listen and dialogue and think and perhaps open the frame of reference. Yeah. And that's interesting that you... But for me, what I find interesting about that is that you are... I hear you saying relationship... Establishing that so the contact before Trump. Absolutely. Otherwise, we just have bipartisan standoff yeah. with each other. And I'm really pleased that we have in our training in UK this year quite a high proportion of people of color, sexuality, gender. And they're really clear that you've got to take it very slowly. Otherwise, you just get hostility, and then you're reinforcing what we started off with as part of the social-political challenges that the world is facing at the moment, which have resulted in things like the war in Ukraine. Mm. Yeah. Nuance, I mean, the other side of that is moving from acceptance of other to real adapting one's frame of reference to really understand another to a point of integration which is really being able to move between many frames of references of seeing the world it's an ideal sort of place i guess mm. but to get into that even acknowledging that somebody else has a right to a frame of reference which is different to yours, let alone to get to the nuances of that. Yeah. 
it's it seems quite amazing to me if I look back to the mid-90s when I qualified in TA. Nuance and global citizenship and really seeing others' frames of reference seem to be so on the table. And that's, what, 20 years ago? Right. 25 years ago. And we've moved to this world which is wanting to be hard-lined, boxed, contained, and to the right, politically. What challenges does that present then when you're delivering TA training? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. what, what does that throw off? I mean, I, th I think for us, you know, I'm looking across at Rosemary because I know she has a passion for teaching and learning communities, really. And I think that's the challenge for us teaching psychotherapists mm. um, is creating grown-up adult teaching and learning communities where everybody signs up to shared values. And that very much includes the trainers as well. So I wouldn't say it's a level playing field because I think people bring different acute skills at different times. So I think it's rather like, I don't know, you know, like the indicator you get on recording sound, you know, that as the lights flash up and down on the equalizer or whatever, mm. you can hear, I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> on the technical bit. But I think I th there's something for me about Yes, in one sense we are colleagues, but in another sense we're not because people's different expertise enters the field at different times. So I think that's really important to value that, that people take leadership at different times within the process. And I think it's, you know, the question was how do we alter our training and learning environments? I think it's that, you know, paying a lot of attention to useless power differential and getting rid of that and instead really celebrating expertise and allowing people to lead and in a sense to have power when, they, when it's appropriate and they are the expert. I, I always feel slightly embarrassed. It's a very old model, isn't it, of the iceberg, you know, the individual coming in and just a little bit of the iceberg <laughs> appearing above the water. I think it was a model from the 70s or something. Yeah. But it's such a useful model of what very little we we see of people and actually and the assumptions we rapidly make on the basis of what we do see. absolutely that little top yeah. of the iceberg and i was thinking that this takes us into a serious critique doesn't it of ta training which is how much do we value or recognize all people's professional experiences yeah <laughs> Well, I personally think that there is, you know, based on some of the things that have been said, there is this huge polarization between actually the giving space and leaving space for all kind of impulses, you know, a free child or adapted child who sorts of is focused on pleasure and getting whatever he, she wants. And uh, the extreme rigidity on the other side. And I think that within organization, this leads uh, to either experimenting all the time, which is a problem because no nothing gets solidified, and between saying it has been always done exactly this way, this is how we have to maintain it. So that any 
individual working within an organization or having leadership position needs to sort of navigate in between those extremes because on both extremes, there is no space for growing and for developing. And I think the integrated adult who I've been talking about so much lately in the TA world is part of this. And, you know, to my opinion, in order to sort of be able to develop skills in having an integrated adult is really to have training groups which are as heterogeneous as possible, not homogeneous, uh, mixing different kind of uh, cultural backgrounds, professional backgrounds, even, you know, in the same fields, mm. even if people are being trained in the same field, but mm. mixing experiences, because the more you deal on a, in every training day basis on with people who come from completely different histories and background, the more you are forced to absorb somebody else's frame of reference. It's not being confronted, it's really absorbing his or the, the, the otherness. Mm. And the otherness becomes your own. So when I'm thinking about challenging somebody else's frame of reference, I think it has to do, I think there are very many different ways of challenging. Part of this is working together and finding something which is not yours or mine, but a new road. And I think that we're not particularly skilled in the TA world in doing that. <laughs> I think this is a problem with your approach or my approach. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is maybe true in some ways in Italy because we had different TA forefathers. Mm. Uh, Mine's better than yours. Exactly. So how do you prepare the ground for that way of working with a training group? Well, I, uh, I accept people. I make up the groups accepting people who are very diverse mm -hmm. and who have experience in different uh, areas and who have worked in different contexts. This is what I try to do, which means mixing this who are working within a hospital setting, for example, so have an idea about organization because of that, hmm. with the people who are uh, responsible for people and resources in organizations, hmm. with the people who come more from a NGO or a business world. And then their idea is that they are interested in health <laughs> and in, you know, living better hmm. their professional lives. And this is a sort of a challenging background in itself. Mm. Uh, and, and I think we really need to be conf to, to, to deal on, on a continuous basis with other people. I think this becomes a way of challenging. So I think, Andy, in response to your question, I have a completely different way of going about it uh -huh. in two ways. In the first year... I ask people to avoid talking about their professional lives in any way, past, present, future, professional lives, just for the first year. And people tell me just how wonderful that is. Because in British culture, as I'm sure you're aware, may not be the same in Hungary and Italy. The I'm okay, you're okay, it's got so much to do with professional perception. <laughs> So I'm more okay than you are is, you know, so common <laughs> in British groups. Yeah. 
So that's one thing. And the other thing is the purpose of our first year, whatever field, is that you, by the outcome, is that you will have a really good felt sense of your own adult ego state. And you know when you've got it. You won't know when you've lost it because you've lost it, but you'll know later, shit, I lost it. And that sense of that adult ego state, which I talk about as being what we use to navigate uncertainty. But actually every day there's uncertainty. And if you're using your adult, you ride with it. Mm-hmm. You deal with it. The combination of those two mean that when we get on to professional application, which is the second year, people have a good sense of okayness, of relationship, of other, of contracting. So there's a lot that we can then get to grips with and confront and challenge in a way that I couldn't do if we hadn't had that first year. Mm. Those, those two different ways of thinking. Very different. Fascinating. Very, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. having the third one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, yes. Because I am uh, training just counsellors. So all my trainees are graduated psychologists and maybe they are having as a second master counselling, psychological counselling. So and I would pick up uh, what you said, Rosemary, the relationship, because that brings the major change and in my practice as a trainer. I have beginners up to TSTAs as trainees and, or PTSTAs, yes. And during these years, I put much more attention, energy and effort and time to, to establish a relationship, proper relationship, which I had before COVID with some people, but after the COVID or after something, they lost it. They go to the back of the tribe or, you know, especially internationally of the language. So I really need lots of effort to rebuild the relationship, which is out of back, to get them out of the shelter. What is interesting, that all my trainees uh, had the same problem with their clients. So there was a parallel process. We are living in the same situations, so they have the same experience with their clients. So I had to change the column a little bit. I had to change uh, the, uh, the, the way of teaching of different TA concept to be, to accept the, the experience about that concept uh, in, uh, in our conditions, let's say. So we heard that Putin said that Ukrainian doesn't exist. So how to work for okay, okay position when you may be killed for that. Mm. We faced that issue before when some Thai people were working in Islamic countries, mm-hmm. when women can fa- could f- face the same. So in my trainings, we, I, we, yes, we had to go through much more this kind of 
personal experience of trainees. Mm. And, and I am still in the stages of changing small things in my trainee, trainings. I, I don't think I can somehow summarize yet. Mm. It is well, too early. I think you're pointing to another challenge that we've got. People don't want to sign up for years of courses anymore. Mm -hmm. Is that a change, is it? I think that's a change, yeah. an increasing change, but accelerated post-COVID. We've got to work out ways where we can deliver quality training, but maybe in bite-sized, discrete chunks, which build into a full training if people want that over time yeah. or are sufficient as they are. I think that's going to be really difficult to, you know, just the bit that I was talking about earlier, that you will know your adult ego state. Well, if you're only coming for three days, no, you won't. Mm -hmm. You might get a sense that there is this thing called adult ego state, but it's going to take a lot more to get there. So this, I think, is a real challenge to us in our TA training. And is that a shared experience in terms of people's capacity to sign up for? I would say so. Yeah. I, I totally agree with Rosemary. And I think that our relationship with time is changing and has changed in a dramatical way mm. so that the perception of time needed, lack of time, mm. I'm out of time. Yeah. Uh, I'm struck by young people who are saying I need to do this very quickly because I don't have enough time. People who are in their 30s mm. or, or 25 years old and you think what? Yeah. <laughs> do you think you're going to die tomorrow? Plus they're getting so much given to them through workplace learning. You know, come in your lunch hour and you'll have it just like that. It's done a deal or a podcast. Listen to that. You'll mm. now know everything there is to know about whatever, yeah. real confusion between knowledge and information mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and an absolute lack of understanding of applying learning, knowledge, skill mm. yeah. and attitude. With an added component, I would say, at least this is my experience, of having put the accelerator on competition rather than cooperation. Yeah. Mm. I think that what is being yeah. used more and more within organizations in order to motivate people to perform yeah. is a high level of pressure and the message of competition and competing with each other within each department, with other departments. It used to be that way more or less in business organization. Now it has come to the point to be in all sorts of organizations, including NGOs mm. and hospitals delivering, you know, services uh, for people who are sick. Mm. I, I'm wondering if that's your experience, Andy, because I'm thinking that the psychotherapy field might also just be slightly different in how it's structured in terms of most people might need to sign up because the end game is a professional qualification and not everybody who engages with the other fields might be seeking that through TA training. Do you, would you experience the same as the others in terms of people's willingness to sign up to a long-term training? I think there's a yes and no on that. I think there's two factors. One is the deeper philosophy. So can we find and support our 
learners or adult learners to seek their deeper philosophy about becoming a the identity of a psychotherapist. Mm. So if they're mature enough to be able to do that, then we've got access to longer kind of learning journeys. But I think where I would totally agree is that it's become very commercialized, particularly through universities, which again, it's become, I can't say the word, commodified. That's the word I want. Yeah. Yeah. So it's become commodified, hasn't it? And I'm paying my 10,000 British pounds a year Mm -hmm. to access my course and Mm -hmm. if the trainers you know if the lecturers offer a week then I want some money back because I've not received my my goods so I think there's a lot of competition in those kind of organizations which is driving the time period down and down you know we can do it in two years for you we can do it in 18 Mm -hmm. months for you and this brings up the question like that you were mentioning earlier Rosemary around the difference between adult learning Mm. and academic education yeah and you know where does ta training belong adult learning (laughs) and we talked about this in the trainers meeting a little bit today one of it's not an academic study it is an in-depth learning it's training for a role (laughs) you're training to be a practitioner in something I think I have a different position, actually. I think that it's in between. It's mostly adult learning and it's partly academic learning because when you're dealing in certain fields with a kind of pathology, you need to know much more than we actually know. And it's not something that you can just pick up like this. So I think Gaining more knowledge in the areas of the development of the mind and the development of mental diseases is really needed because it's very difficult to deal with certain pathologies today. Yes, and I don't think that necessarily is what I mean by academic learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's just about the depth of learning that might be needed and the depth of study that might be needed. Yeah, yeah which, which is a little bit different. Yeah. What and did you mean by academic learning then? What so academic learning tends to be what students do. Demographic is usually somewhere between 18 and 25 for that learning. And it's often study for its own sake. It will have a perhaps a vocational edge, but it's not training to be in a role. And you're not already in the role. Mm-hmm. Whereas in all our fields of practice, even if it's a psychotherapy course where people have started out without being in that field at all, they should be by the end of the first year, mm. more or less in practice. So there is something about learning whilst on the job, practicing. And some of our trainees are incredibly well-experienced and learning as they go. Very different from initial learning. Yeah. And study for its own sake. Yeah. For a qualification. For a qualification. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about what you were saying around the changes in the people who sign up to Mm -hmm. the courses and the way that there is a shift in how long people want to commit and how 
Does that mean then that creates uncertainty for you as trainers? <laughs> I would say that it challenges us yeah. in a positive way mm. because it forces us, that I can speak for myself, but I think for my colleagues as well. I think that it forces us to identify new ways of training people, maintaining uh, rigorousness in the training and the possibility of stimulating learning. So not giving up and not going into a black and white mm -hmm. position. Okay. Either you do that or mm. don't come to me, go somewhere else. Mm. I think it's a very good stimulus to find different combination of ways of learning for adult learners. And at the same time, I, I think that really, from what you were saying, Rosemary, which I agree with, Adult learners need uh, to have different stimuli presented to them in order to grow and to develop more, fit them into their frame of reference and develop from there. So finding new ways is really a challenge for us as trainers, I think, mm -hmm. for all of us. So for me, there was not a big change because I trained always <laughs> professionals who were graduated counselors okay. and having at least two years of practice, so they could practice without TA. Okay. So they started to study TA and they could, yes, it, it was a little bit different commitment mm -hmm. from the psychotherapist because nobody, needs, nobody needed the qualification. Yeah, they so wanted they, it. Mm. They yeah. wanted no, it. they didn't want it. <laughs> no, they wanted TA, yes. not the yeah. CTA That's uh, what I meant. qualification, yeah. okay. yes. Yes, and it is interesting that there were some, in my practice, there were some stable groups for, let's say, two, three years, but people disappeared, mm. some new people joined, and this disappearing people were coming back if something happened in the, in the society. Mm. I think it's the great thing, from yeah. my point of view, about education, organizations, especially those fields which is nobody needs to get a qualification in TA in regard to them. And therefore people come because they get a lot out of it. Mm. Yeah. And certainly my experience is once people are in training, they're realizing what they're benefiting with it, and yeah. that's great. But what I have heard, and Andy, you'll have a comment on this, is that in psychotherapy, and to some extent perhaps counseling, but psychotherapy particularly, mm -hmm. there is a great, much greater sense of entitlement amongst students and they see themselves as students as opposed to adult learners. Yeah, I think that, you know, that of seeing education as a commodity has caused a shift in responsibility. And, you know, I was looking, thinking about that organizationally, you know, that, that there is student, students or adult learners. It's interesting, I've suddenly dropped into the language. <laughs> um, so if I get myself out of that language back into adult learners, can then maintain the maturity to hold on to the discomfort and not look for, I suppose, mummy and daddy to provide it for us, as opposed to being in a teaching and learning adult community. Yeah. I mean, where your question also took me was thinking about neurodiversity. And I know this is a passion of yours, Rosemary, as well, and probably others, where my real frustration and anxiety is, and is that we don't yet have the flexibility in our holding organizations 
to have the creativity of assessment. Yeah. So I think much of this is about creativity of assessment. Yeah. If, if that could change, then we could be far more diverse and, mm. and be taking on these new and different people to access becoming uh, transactional analysts, maybe in all sorts of different fields. It's a bit of a catch-22 situation, though, isn't it? Because like you were saying earlier, you need to have diversity in your group to shake up the frame of reference mm -hmm. that will then in turn create the change mm -hmm. in the training structures. Yes. But if it's not accessible to those people, then it ticks over like it always has with things not changing, maybe at a pace that would be desirable for some people. That feels like a really big opportunity, doesn't mm. it, for the TA community about how could we attract diversity that traditionally we haven't had that we would really benefit from their frame of reference. So from somebody who used to work in community education, you don't offer goodies to attract people in. Yeah. You have to go out mm. into yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, community. Yeah. Yes. Yes. community. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm. I mean, it's a bit like issues of people yeah. with colour or anything else. It's You need to go there. Yeah need to be a part of that community. Yes, yeah. I think that's the difference between community development and marketing. Yes, yeah. and marketing is the pits because it increases commodification. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. there are so many people leaping up and down in the TA association saying, we need better marketing. We need better marketing. It's like, I shudder. <laughs> Absolutely shudder. <laughs> so, in essence, what you're saying is that if we want that level of diversity, we need to go out into the community mm -hmm. and be with those people. Yeah. And can I ask how you perceive that, the going out? What would that look like for, say, the neurodivergent individuals or communities? Probably one of the ways it looks like is doing podcasts. Mm. You know, it's reaching people in ways that you haven't previously done. Okay. But it's also about, again, relationship, isn't it? Yeah. So you need Actually, that contact. In, in, in counseling, usually people who are working with some neurodiversity, they are somehow personally involved. For example, I used to work with uh, physically handicapped people for a long time. Mm. And one of my friends had a son who injured his back. So, because you need a quite deep knowledge of that field. And it needs to pick up. It, it needs time. So usually in counseling, people are somehow involved. They are living. They are not going there. They are living there. Okay. In many ways of living, but they are living in, with that people. Mm. Yes, I'd like to say something because I think that the sensitivity to neurodiversity is very different across Europe. You are talking about it here in the UK very openly and all the time. Yes. While in Italy we talk very little about it, for example. Mm. And of course, you know, we are aware of the existence of dyslexia, etc. But it's in some TA places also when we talk about dyslexia, etc. Some people say it's none of our business. <laughs> You know, just to clarify, Europe is very different in terms of sensitivity. So I think that as trainers, sometimes, especially if we work internationally, I, I do work internationally, 
the idea is to sort of build the sensitivity to this so that people who have neurodiversity and who haven't happened to be in a group feel safe enough to say it out loud. Yeah. You know, I have a problem yeah. of neurodiversity. They wouldn't call it this way. They would mm. specify what their difficulty is. Mm. So uh, I think that uh, we need to create a, a, a space in order to let people emerge with this need. Sensitivity towards neurodiversity is very different all over Europe. And we're talking around one element of a particular minority group. But I'm also aware, Sylvie, that what you just brought in is another type of diversity, which is cultural difference. Yeah. And, you know, this is so layered because we could go down many rabbit holes about physical disability, yes, exactly. race, religion. You know, it, 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 there's a lot to this. Mm. What would you say is the would be the go-to in terms of creating an openness within TA training so that maybe people felt like they could broach these topics. Because some of what we're talking about is invisible <laughs> for some people. Yeah. You know, it's not something yeah. you see. Yes. It's difference that is invisible. Yes. So what's at the essence of this that seems important for TA training going forward? I mean, where where we would come in is about paying a lot of attention to a shame-free yes. experimental learning environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we look at past trauma in terms of educational trauma. That's our first weekend. And, and in a way that allows people to connect because normally everyone in the group, no matter what their story, has got some horror story about education that they can connect to others. Mm. Mm. And then the next thing we do is we kick perfectionism out of the room uh, forever and um, make sure we're working in some kind of experimental, curious yeah. environment. Yeah. That's what I would say to start with. From a TA perspective, absolutely echo that. And even just putting it in a TA frame. Yeah. It's I'm okay, you're okay, and we're okay, they're okay. And constantly working towards that and noticing when it's not there in some way. It's really important to just mm. keep at creating that environment. And eventually people do say, and it's fascinating, and people are like, oh, I didn't know that, and I've got da-da, you know, and it will go there. But you have to work at it all the time. Mm, yeah. And a lot of, a lot, some, TA teaching because it's a teaching model has a power dynamic in it Yeah, when it becomes impossible to create that equality and okayness mm. it is that historic trauma of education mm. yeah, yeah I would think that the shame free approach is extremely important yeah. and also what we focus on is really bits and pieces of the biography of Byrne. So Byrne was a voice out of, out of the chorus, as we would say in mm. Italian. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So if you're coming to get TA training, you are going to be a voice out, out of the chorus. So, you know, you can be whatever you want. The, there is no stigma in terms of coming here. You know that you're... And people who approach us usually have some kind of strange, in quotation mark, mm. 
characteristics to them. Mm. So I, I think this is, part of the, <laughs> this is part of the people who come to the, our trainings. They know ahead of time that they're being voiced out of the chorus. That's why they come. And that thing of burn, I always emphasize from the very beginning. So curiosity is the most important thing. Mm. The most important. Yeah. He traveled. He traveled yes. in a time where people were not traveling. Very besides being in the military, yeah. he went to Jordan and uh, Samoa. In, uh, yes, and Samoa, Japan. very distant places. You know, to just to get an idea. He spoke several languages, mm. as we know. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've covered many of the challenges, some of the possibilities that are there. I think it would be a good time to maybe start moving towards a round of wh where are you at now? What are some of your, what's some of the strings you're pulling together yeah, from this conversation? And maybe we can use this as a closing statement just because of, of where we're at in, in terms of time. But if, yeah, if you were able to summarize your thoughts or position uh, and give a closing statement, what would you share? Maybe it sits with the trainees, you know, I, my, my role is to support people as adult learners becoming the best possible psychotherapists and transactional analysts that they can become. And I want them to be able to tolerate disturbance. And that's the environment that we often create. Yeah, I think that's what my takeaway is. Great. Thank you. Like to uh, as I said, that uh, there were many changes, many challenges, and maybe it's time to somehow summarize, to somehow to go to a meta level and see them and somehow structure these fragmented experiences. That is why I am now. <clears throat> Do you, when you say provide structure, is it like a scaffold? Is that what you mean by structure, an outline, something for people to hold onto um, when it feels choppy or I started from your question, what is impact of all of this on our training? So I think that the trainers did a lot of changes in their training in TA world. <laughs> they experienced a lot of changes in trainees and training context and, hmm. and et cetera. And there's a huge debate about online or personal training. Mm. But we need somehow summarize these experiences mm. some, to find some new structure. And I like what you uh, suggested, uh, Rosemary, these five uh, styles. Yes, yeah, star, uh, these five structure points like training the train. Train the trainers, yes. Uh, change language. the language. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Diversity. Pardon? Diversity. Yes. Yeah, no. mm. I would summarize it with a kind of philosophical assumption. In Italian we say, it says, vivi e lascia vivere. So live and let other people live and explore. You can be a voice out of the chorus because, of course, conformism and, you know, withdrawing is one of the main issues of our times. So exploring rather than tolerating differences, 
which tolerating already makes you think, I tolerate you, I don't like this word. Mm -hmm. I think it's much more really exploring and, and learning from the differences and see what fits for you. So, you know, we can all be voices out of the chorus mm. and develop our own way. Yeah. So I, I would summarize with that. In training is a good opportunity to develop your own way and explore the differences. We don't have to tolerate them. <laughs> we can explore <laughs> them rather than tolerate. Great. <laughs> Love it. I think TA is a wonderful series of maps, geological, topographical, Great. What goes on between people, what goes on with inside people, what goes on with systems, the psychology of systems. His maps are great. There's only going to be TA trainings if there are people who want to learn the maps. So it's something about the co-creative process. And I think the imaginativeness that we take to how do we go and meet people? Co-creativity takes both parties moving. Mm. Not, well, I run a TA institute and hello, where are all the students? It is about going into mm. relationships saying, these are useful. Mm. And word of mouth is great for that. Yeah. I mean, in these uncertain times, the word of mouth is out there. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oops. Yeah. Mm. I think the thing that I'm really sitting with is uh, marketing driving commodification, which just seems so obvious when you say it. Yeah. But, mm. you know, how that really wasn't in my frame of reference. And the community development piece, so I think that's profound for me. Mm. Yeah. And I think similarly, the idea of going out and meeting people where they're at and also the, the thread of flexibility that I, has, for me, has gone through our conversation and the need for us in the TA world flexible and, and especially in the trainers, that's one of the things I've heard a lot. Um, yeah, uh, changing times, people changing attitudes. Yeah, it's been great. Really. Great conversation. Really enjoyed it. So thank you very much for participating and the vulnerability of joining a group like this and not knowing what would emerge. We really appreciate your commitment to it and in your participation. So thank you for thank having you. us. Thanks. For thank, thank you. Very yeah. 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 Fun editing. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you.